my god <laughs> so great oh i didn't put makeup on that's okay it's audio <laughs> imagine me with makeup on lane oh, gorgeous and i will imagine you in your closet mm-hmm This is Elise Bryson, and welcome to The Connected Calm Life. Hi, everyone. So glad you're here. Uh, another episode uh, with my co-host. Uh, today, it's Elise Bryson from The Sober Curator, one of my favorite places to hang out. Co-host yeah. and, and like co-bestie, right? Like, I just want to... Oh, yeah. I'm just, you, know, you know how possessive I get of you. I, I know, just right? want to... I just like to put it out there, how close we are. Yes, you, you are <laughs> top... Top five. Okay, I'll pick a top five. I'm good with that. If you lived in San Francisco, you'd be top three. I know. I know that I would. So, you know, I got five on it. I'm good. Yeah. I can roll with five. Top five. I'm so glad that you're with us. Uh, if you're new to the show, thank you for hanging out with us today and for checking it out. This is The Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy. I'm your calm coach. And today I speak with... On Fridays, I have co-hosts. On Mondays, I do a little meditation, mindfulness, a little blurb about XYZ, some topic that I'm thinking about. On Wednesdays, I do practices for you to come home to yourself, to feel calm, to take peace, to take a moment, to resettle. But today is Friday and Elise and I are going to get into some kind of conversation around something. It is Christmas Eve, so I hope you are enjoying your family or your time and that you're actually taking time to celebrate yourself. I wish I would have thought to have milk and cookies for the morning. <gasps> oh, fail, fail. <laughs> but um, it's okay. I'll just pretend. Yeah, I'll we can pretend. just pretend. It's it's yeah. good. Uh, so Elise and I met online. Which Clubhouse, is, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I think right. We originally met on Clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah, and you can go back into the archive and listen to Elise's episode. Uh, it's in the first 20 when I was still doing Recover Like a Mother. And since then, you know, we have evolved. Our relationship has evolved. And like I said, she is in my top five. <laughs> we Marco Polo daily, people. Daily. Because Marco Polo is Lane's love language, I have learned. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why. I think you like it because it's personal, because it's the it's the voicemails, plus it archives it. And it's as personal as you can get virtually, I think, but for two people who have never met, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that have never met in person. I, I, th I think there's a lot of these relationships happening. There are. I have numerous of them and we've all kind of been talking about it because while there are some people that I met last year before the holidays, mm -hmm. there are many people that have come into my life that I met after the holidays. So this is our first holiday season to get, this is our first holiday season. Right. I don't know like if I should send you a card or if we need a special ornament for this, but it's the first time going into that. And I have to say like, I've developed a lot of real relationships. Like I consider you a real relationship. I put time Mm -hmm. I care about you. I think about you. I, I want to ask you questions throughout the week, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's just as personal as someone that I talk to regularly at work or mm -hmm. other people in my inner circle. But the difference is, technically, we haven't met in person, even though we've shared a lot of intimate moments, mm -hmm. ideas, fears, I know, it's so humor weird. situations, talks about our dogs, right? 
Right. But what would happen, Lane, if I just um, fell off the face of the earth <gasps> and I took my Instagram down, I took my website down, and I didn't return your Marco Polos or your emails? Because okay. the reality is that happens in real life when in our recovery communities, mm-hmm. there are people that we see all the time and then all of a sudden they're just gone. That is Ugh. part of recovery. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is the first time I'm realizing that can also happen with my virtual world, mm-hmm. but there's, I feel like I have less control over it. Okay. So I'm going to back up for a moment and just, I know that was a lot, right? Like oh. let, let, let's break that down because I think there's a, a couple of conversations within this big conversation here. Yeah. So there's the meeting people in the online space And are they alcohol free or not? Because I've also met a ton of people who are not in recovery just because of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And those relationships are of themselves unique. And we chat. It's usually through a social media platform and it's, it's light. It's, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of nice. And then there's this next layer of the people, mostly women who I have met in recovery land in the online space, who we hang out weekly together and sometimes daily, like you and I, and we share really like intimate stories, which is kind of bizarro for me. I I kind of like, how do I wrap my head around this? And then there are people that are outside that I go on a walk with because we're still in this weird, who knows what's happening world. Especially and, with a new transformer. Gene, yeah, right. Omnicrom or yeah, whatever. The Omnicrom, like what is that it mean? Sounds like a transformer. Let's just be <laughs> clear. Sounds like a transformer. But I feel like I am expanding. Like I'm a little uncomfortable with how many interactions that I'm having every day with people. It's a lot to interact. And I'm super social. I love being social and being chatty Cathy but it takes a lot out of me. At the end of the day, sometimes I'm exhausted. So I don't know how people are really managing their time. How are you managing it? And then we're going to come back to that other conversation. Do you get tired? Well, do you get tired of like connecting with so many people in the online world and then this new way that we're all communicating? Uh, That's a really good question. And I would say, yes. But also no, like I'm mm-hmm. also a very social person and mm-hmm. a very well networked person. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm used to having different people from different circles coming at me mm-hmm. across all the platforms um, because I'm in media, right? Uh, and I'm in sales and advertising and marketing. So by nature, the last 20 years of my career has been constant exchanges with strangers, right? I'm air quoting for those because I forget this is audio. So um Yes and no, but these are different types of relationships than my professional work relationships. I don't like, now, yes, I do sometimes have a connection with someone that I meet professionally and we dive into some deep topics, but not usually the first time we meet versus when I meet someone in recovery, I can tell them some really dark things about myself in the first 30 minutes of our conversation because once we both know we're in recovery, especially when we know how long we've been in recovery, there is a bond that happens there. It's like we speak, a, it's a language that we, we both speak. It's like mm-hmm. we're bilingual. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I talk so about dialects where, all the time. Yeah, so that is, I think, where your exhaustion comes in because we go straight to some really meaty things sometimes mm-hmm. without anything being warmed up or 
left or I don't know what you want to call it, right? Right. We just get right in there. Get right to it. Right to it. Uh, And now let's go back to, you know, we meet these people and then all of a sudden they are gone. It's fascinating because in the, in like real time, if I was out in the world and somebody just fell off the face of the earth, I'd be like, Hey, I would go over to their house and, and right. like, and say, what's going on? Are, are you okay? But in this online arena, you know, somebody lives in Chicago. I can't get on a plane and go to Chicago. So what do we do? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know when somebody just MIA, like, do we ignore them? No, no. I don't, I, don't I think, know. I think because I've recently been going through that with a, with a couple different people. Um, and it has, it's made me anxious. First of all, I believe in a higher power. I know you believe in a higher power. So at the end of the day, I really don't have to put too much worry into this as long as I'm keeping my side of the street clean. And if I know that I have made every effort and I'm not getting a response at a certain point, like, I don't want to be a crazy stalker, right? I don't want... Like, were you a stalker like oh 100% when I was really? drinking and using oh especially with guys that I liked seriously drive what by. would you do really oh I would I would there's this one guy I was so obsessed with him because I was convinced he was the one um I would drive by his house on my lunch break when I was a bank teller to see if he was home and I would time it exactly when I knew he was leaving to go because he was a bartender. Mm-hmm. Um, so like afternoons would been, he would be leaving, but he, I also knew like his workout schedule. So I would time it so I could just nonchalant drive by and be, if I saw him, I would be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh my God, no. But I did it all the time. Did you do this in sobriety as well? Did you, did you stop your stalking? In early sobriety, I still had some unhealthy behaviors. Yes, because mm-hmm. all I had done was remove drugs and alcohol. I hadn't really gotten... To the part in my recovery where the behavior changes happen. That's around the five-year mark, people. Five-year mark. Five-year so, mark. So Lisa was for me. There might be some overachievers that think they have it all figured out by six months, but sorry, sisters, you don't. Oh. And five-year mark for me. Um, but that's when I, and, and coincidentally, that's also uh, when I was actually doing some work and realizing that I, I was part of the problem, right? Okay. And then change behavior. So, so, but I don't do it anymore. I mean, unless, well, I mean, I, I don't run a background check or anything, but like, if I get to know someone, I, I go look them up at all the places online. You do. Like, I don't go and look and find out what their home value is. I'm not that kind of creepy, but like, I'll go and check out their LinkedIn, all mm-hmm. their social media, you know, like, yeah. I want to know what this person stands for, what their personal brand is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm interested, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about an early recovery. I think I was four, four years sober and I was, I was with dating, dating. Let's get it clear. Let me get it clear real quick. Dating and early recovery. That's a whole nother episode. Dating. A whole nother episode. Yeah. At four years of recovery and like, it was the best sex I'd ever had in my life. I was like, it was unbelievable. And he suddenly just ghosted me. And I was like, what is happening? Mean, meanwhile, he, he was like 12 years sober. So he actually had his, you know, shit together. He knew what was it's going on. Air quotes, yeah, again. Air, air, quotes. Quotes, air quotes. And he's, it was just gone. Like, like didn't return my calls. And I was like, what is going on? What? I don't understand. You know, like 
I'm the best thing in the world. And I started stalking. It was the only time I've stalked somebody. Mm-hmm. It, I literally, and he would lived in uh, Los Feliz, which was about 15 minutes away from me. So at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I would drive over there <laughs> and like stand outside of him and like try to look in his way. Like crazy. Were you holding a boom box like John Cusack? <laughs> Shut up. Come on. I should have. It was nuts. And I uh, remember telling somebody about this and they, and they, they said, wait a minute, you did what? And I didn't even know that my behavior was crazy, right? And my, I'm four years into this journey. I didn't realize that that was not okay. I thought that that was like normal. I was like, it's, it's, it's okay for me to do that. So fast forward, I end up at a cafe and he walks in with a new woman, <laughs> Burn. Yeah, and, I, and I was like, oh, hey, what, what's going on? You know, he's like, oh, I want you to meet da-da-da. I'm sorry I haven't called you. I've just not been available. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stalking stopped right there. Well, that's good. Okay, yeah. so you, you had your boundaries. You had your boundaries. Yeah. It was, but again, this idea of like just not even recognizing my behavior, but I thought, oh, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know. Can I, this is kind of now going to go off topic, but it is another really good stalking sober in early sobriety story that I yeah. have to share. Yeah. So when I got sober, uh, I was working at a very large newspaper company in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I won't uh-huh. use the name, but like there's only one really big guy. <laughs> um, and uh, there was a gal there who we had run into each other outside of work and realized that we had this thing in common, right? So then we became fast friends in the office. Mm-hmm. and she happened to be a Dave Matthews fan like, oh. to the nth degree right yep. well you know there's a lot of great musicians that live here in Seattle mm-hmm. I am blessed to have met or be friends with many of them mm-hmm. and as it turns out my dad's best friend was living right next door to Dave Matthews no. like sharing a backyard fence no. and my dad had told me once because he had heard from his best friend that Dave likes to hang out in his backyard on a hammock, play his, you know, uh, acoustic guitar, sing, smoke a little doobie, you know, Uh have a good uh time because it's his backyard. He has every right to do that. Well, I made the mistake of telling my friends and both of us were early recovery. Let me be clear. And about this story, right? Well, then one day she comes racing into me at the office and she's like, Hey, he's in town. I know he's in town because there's a concert this weekend. Do you want to go drive by his house? And I was like, she's like, cause you know where it is, right? Cause you know where your dad's best friend lives. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, but no. Mm-mm. So I, I was like, I, no, too far. Boundaries, too mm-hmm. far, too far. So she leaves, right? Girlfriend comes back at the end of the day. She's crying. Oh no. And she has, she drove around his block enough times that he noticed and came out. And she had gotten a selfie with him leaning into her car because she <gasps> thought she needed directions. She had already been to Walmart, printed the picture, and had it in a golden glitter star frame. Wow. Yeah. That's the kind of shit we do in early recovery. Early recovery. <laughs> it's so I'm not, I'm not above or below that. I just didn't happen to go in with her that day, right? Because right. I'm not as big of a fan. But I again, used to do that with ex-boyfriends. So yeah. it's, the stalking is there, but to bring this back around, 
what happens with these virtual relationships where we don't, we can't do the drive-bys? Yeah, I'm not sure. I would like to think if you went MIA on me oh. and I had your address, I, I I would probably try to hunt down your husband and be like, I just want to know that she's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I would try that before like flying there, but I wouldn't be above flying there. You're like a three hour flight, nothing. It's, it's two hours maybe. It's so, um, I, yeah, I don't know what to do. It's it's an interesting conundrum that well, we are in. Because it's also boundaries, right? Yeah. And yeah. there are some people where I'm like, I don't know where they are. I really hope they're okay. And at any time when they come back, open arms. That's yeah. how I feel about it. No yeah. judgment. because No judgment. We're a community that is not supposed to judge each other. Yep. We do. I know I'm guilty of it. But we're not supposed to, right? Not if we're keeping our side of the street clean. And mm-hmm. so, and it's supposed to be, we're always here no matter what. Like mm-hmm. that's how I was, that's how I was raised. Air quotes again. Air quotes. Um, so it is a conundrum because it's like, I'd like to think at this point in my recovery, doing it for 15 plus years, I'm better with boundaries and being appropriate and, and making sure my intentions are in the right place. Intentions. Yeah, because it, it really does come down to intention. If okay. your intention is pure. Then it's then it's good, right? right. But it, okay, so let's talk about boundaries because it's Christmas Eve and we have Christmas and then we have New Year's and New Year's Day and boundaries get crossed and mm-hmm. messy. And there's a lot of people in recovery who have, you know, codependency issues and they get enmeshed in their families and I didn't get what I want. And boundaries are really challenging so we have the online space. We don't have an answer for anybody who's listening who may have a friend who has disappeared. But I think what Elise is saying is being open, non-judgmental. Um, if somebody lives within distance, perhaps going and seeing them, reaching out to a, another friend who may know them. But when we get into family boundaries. Let's, let's, let's transition to that because I think this is an interesting topic for this time of year when things get messy, like grandparents, in-laws, kids, like not doing what perhaps you want them to do. (laughs) Like I'm already thinking about my son. I'm already thinking about, uh, how crazy it's going to be on Christmas day when he doesn't get what he wants mm, yeah. because, because we're not celebrating in the traditional manner this year mm-hmm. and what that's going to look like. Well, right. Well, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Yeah. So how do we show up in recovery sober and hold our boundaries, right? When things can become so messy and there's so much pressure there is a lot of pressure and pleasing everybody. I too have been like foreshadowing what this holiday season will be like. I have a great relationship with my family. Usually for the holidays, it is just myself, my son and my parents. And and between the, between all of us, we have three dogs, right? Um, My sister, however, who's also a sober curator is coming home for Christmas for the first time in like 15 years. 
So she hasn't been home for Christmas in forever. She's never had Christmas here with her husband. And my nephew has never been here at all. And he's four. Um, and and uh, exception of my dad, none of us have seen each other since 2019, except on FaceTime, right? Big deal, right? Um, and, and the pressure is going to be there only because we all really value this time together. Now we're all going to be staying in the same house. Oh my God. A lot of people and dogs with two bathrooms. I just want to put that out there. There's inflatable mattresses involved. Um, and that's fine, but I, I know the tensions will be high just because everybody wants it to be so good. They want it to go so perfect. So even though all of us are trying to bring our best selves to the table, there's going to be that moment in time on a day who knows if it's day three day five day 14 in this three-week span of our time together that people are going to snap at each other that's a lot of time elise yeah it is and what i really have to practice too um as i spend a lot of time with my parents is i find myself when they snap at each other wanting to jump in and get involved in their stuff that's not my lane that's it right there. There and it is. I, I really have to practice not giving advice when I'm not directly asked. Mm-hmm. That, there <laughs> it is. I got to stay out of it. Right. That's so, um, staying I in think, your lane. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. That staying, takes practice. It does take practice. It takes pausing. It takes, you know, and again, maybe you're not in recovery. Maybe you're just on the emotional wellness journey and trying to be a better human. I know a lot of my listeners are, are just really seeking uh, that higher ground. And during this holiday, you know, many families haven't been together. Like I haven't seen my family in two years. Yeah, there's a lot of that right now. Right, so that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of that. And, and then coming together, like you're coming together with your sister, like you haven't seen. It's like taking those moments of pause, going outside in the snow, if you have snow, like getting out is going to be so important. It is. And, you know, I haven't even touched on the fact that there are political differences. Oh my God. Yes. There's, there's charged (laughs) stuff around vaccinations, no vaccinations, masks, no masks. There's a lot in there, right? Because there's a lot of uh, different opinions in my family, but we're all trying to respect each other. But that is also not. (laughs) So, okay. Let's, let's help out our listeners because we're both in recovery a long time and we both have a lot of practice and how do we come to the table and not have an opinion about a vaccine? How do we come to the table and not get involved in a political conversation that is highly uh, relevant to us or abortion where I'm like, okay, like I'm hot topic right there. I can't go to the table with anybody right now about that. So how, how do we, as people on this emotional journey, this emotional wellness journey and recovery, how do we come to the table and be neutral? Elise, how are you going to do it? Um, it's, it really is communicating and setting boundaries. So, um, we have different opinions in my family of vaccination and masks and mandates. And we have had conversations about the fact that we have different opinions and we have both made it very clear to each other that neither of us are changing our personal opinions, but we're going to try really hard not to let that affect our love and desire to spend time with each other. So we addressed it out the gate. Now that doesn't mean it won't come up, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, quite honestly, we're limited because here in, I don't know where it is. I don't know how it is all around the country and where you might be listening, but here in Washington state, if you want to even go to the outdoor zoo holiday Christmas lanterns festival, you have to show proof of vaccination, even mm. though it's outdoors. Yeah. Okay. Well, someone in my family isn't vaccinated. So now we can't go as a group unless that person goes and gets a test within three days, blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. So we're not going to do that. Right. So it then reduces the amount of things we can go and do together. And I'm fine with that because I'm not going to throw a temper tantrum if I don't get to do something I want to do. But it does provide some new challenges this year, depending on what you want to do and where you want to go. Right? Yeah. It, it is about intention. It always comes down to intention. Right. It, it comes back to that intention. Like, I have an intention to show up and be a loving wife. I have an intention to show up and be a loving mother. And, you know, these two humans that I live with push my buttons all day long. And Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, hot, (laughs) hot days right here in the Kennedy Levy house. And I will really be mindful of slowing down and I'm actually just saying this out loud so everyone can hear my intention of slowing down for the day because I'm very busy like I get to go 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 like I just like to get things going and well, yeah, you're a busy little bee. I'm, yeah. I'm a busy bee. We're, both, we're busy girls. We're busy, we're busy girls. Right, right? I just want to go. But my intention, I'm setting that intention now. And I just want to invite you, our listener today, to set the intention of like, perhaps, you know, you slow down. Perhaps you uh, take a glass of water before you do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Finding some kind of intention before going into this kind of loaded environment. And Christmas Eve is definitely the beginning of the next seven days of a lot of things that can go sideways. I can't believe you're going to be with them for three weeks. I don't know how well, you do that. I probably won't be there the full three weeks. Let's be clear. Like there's Jacob and I will, they, we won't make it that long. Okay. Uh, we might leave and come back and leave and come back. I see mm-hmm. that more as a reality. Yeah. Um, the other thing, in addition to intention and, mm-hmm. and doing those things like pausing, drinking a glass of water, make sure you get in your meditation for the day, go for a walk, get enough mm-hmm. sleep. Don't eat too much sugar. Like oh all my the god, the sugar. Learn, yeah, all the things we've learned to take care of ourselves. But here's the one that that always works for me without fail. Mm-hmm. I come into it at looking at what I can bring to the table, not what I can take from it. Yes. So, so for this last Thanksgiving weekend down at my parents, I know that putting up the holiday holiday decorations was really important to my mom because my sister's coming home and she hasn't been here in so long. My mom wants to make it extra special, right? Roll out the red carpet, if you will. Although I like, I pointed out that I'm there like every month. So if there's a red carpet involved, it should really be for me because I'm the one that's putting in the time. But I decided to step to the side, be the bigger sister. And so I was totally willing to do whatever my mom wanted for putting up holiday decorations, which this year included washing indoor and outdoor of the windows. Oh my God. Now, I wasn't expecting that to be in my list of chores. But my mom was like, I want the windows to be clean so the tree will really sparkle through the front window. That was important to her. And so, you know what? I got off the ladder and I went outside and I walked window. Because 
that's how I show up for my mom now. That's how I make living amends for all the crap I did to her in the past that we've cleaned up. We don't talk about it anymore. But it's not just about not talking about it and not doing it anymore. It's how do I live better in my relationships with my family members, especially my parents after what I put them through. So for me, I have to really intentions and how can I help this other person have a better day or an easier day? Yes. Amen, sister. I love that we speak not, the same language. Easy. I'm not saying any of that is easy to do, um, but it's, it does work, right? And the one thing I think as old timers that we learn is we can do things we don't want to do or don't like to do and still get the results. I say that all the time because I'm a very results-oriented person Mm -hmm. by nature. And I got sober because I wanted to have a better life because I wanted different results than what I was getting with my old behaviors. Mm -hmm. So in order for that to happen, I have to show up differently consistently. And that takes a lot of time. And I'm not, I don't consider myself a person with discipline. I have, I don't have any discipline. Let's be clear. You've seen emails from me at three (laughs) o'clock in the morning. You know how many TV shows I watch, right? So... But it does, it does take practice. No, this idea of, so I, I want to just be very clear with the table that we're setting here on Christmas Eve and for the next seven days as you head into the new year. It's really about having uh, boundaries, setting intentions, and asking what can I give? Because service is so important for those of us who are in recovery, who are so self-centered, I mean, I'm raising my hand here. I am completely self-centered. I want it to be all about me. I know that my husband is not going to get me a gift again this year. So typically I would complain about that. This year, I'm not complaining, right? I've given it up. My won't get me one either. So we can, <laughs> yeah. we can, if you do want to complain about it though, Marco Polo me, girl, you know how to find me. Right. <laughs> but there's this idea of like living a better life, what you just said. It's, it's, it's we walk into recovery because we want to have a better life. And when we are of service to those who we love, the world becomes a better place, yeah. right? Like and cleaning was, your windows, cleaning yeah. the windows for your mom. I bet your mom was just like, Inside, it just, she was thrilled. Yeah, it just warms her heart that you have the capacity to do that today. Yeah. And you have a relationship with her. That is the the golden ticket service during this time of year for all of us who are in recovery. And for my listeners who are just on the emotional wellness journey, it's, it's what can you do to help others? It doesn't have to be about service. It's just like, how can you help? You know, are you going to have right, people over? What we're ta- walking, we're talking about here has the only thing that has to do about recovery is that you and I are people in recovery. Right. But this doesn't have to do with Mm-mm. not drinking or not using. Mm-mm. This is about living life different. Yes. And to me, that is what recovery is. Yes. Um, and does it mean perfect? No. But every <laughs> year I get a little bit better. You know, I think back to my, so my first Christmas sober, uh, and I think my son was 10, 9, 10, somewhere in there. We went to Disneyland. My mom, my dad, my sister, me, and Jacob. And we all shared one hotel room. Woof. That was intense, right? Two queen beds and a rollout for my kid. My sister and I shared a bed. My parents shared. So we were together 24-7. And 
we started picking at each other, right? I can remember that I like took a French fry off my sister's plate and she was like, boundaries, boundaries, because she's a therapist, right? And she freaked out. Well, guess what? Now, 21 years later that she has a kid, uh, you can guarantee she's going to take French fry off my plate. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say anything because we've both grown since then. Mm-hmm. But like, it's a very different experience every year. And mm-hmm. every year we get to show up and just try to keep being a little bit better, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So I have this intention this year. Uh, every year, my family goes to a movie on Christmas Day. Ooh, what are you going to see this year? I know. I'm very excited. Uh, and typically, we're with the family at large down in Los Angeles. And it's a whole, there's like 40 of us that take up like three rows in the theater. Whoa. This year, it's just going to be the three of us here in San Francisco. And I am being very careful about planning this because I want to go see the new matrix, you know, matrix, matrix two is out, but I can't do that, (laughs) which I get very upset about because I want it to be about me. And I, that movie, when matrix, the original came out, I, it changed my life and I went and saw it every day for like three weeks. And I was obsessed and now here we are with the Matrix 2 coming out and I want, it, I want to have that same experience, but now I have a 12-year-old and I can't take him to that. So Yeah, that might be a little advanced. It's well. way too much. Yeah, it's way over his head. I, I can't do yeah. that. But I think about this way of being of service, right? I am stepping, I'm taking my needs and putting them to bed, so to speak. Like, mm. it's not going to be about me. We're going to find a family fun movie. <laughs> that we can go see and enjoy. And then I'm going to go to the matrix by myself. And I'm literally going to sit in the middle of the theater and watch it. I'm so excited. It's going to be good. One time, um, the symphony here, mm-hmm. um, will do movie night where they play mm-hmm. a mu- movie, but then the, the symphony actually plays the actual music that is mm. the background of the entire movie mm. while the movie is happening. It's fascinating. But I've been to the Matrix version, the old, the <gasps> original Matrix with the symphony performing. Oh my God. It was amazing. That would be, I would, my mind would blow. Yeah. I miss yeah. going to events. Yes. Right. I do, I do. Yeah. It's... You know, I know that we're out there a little bit more, but you know, again, not to bring up the transformer again, but with the Omnicrom coming, like, yeah, I, I am nervous, especially because I have people in my life that aren't vaccinated and yeah. I want to be careful for them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we're still not out of this thing, you know, yeah. almost two years in and the world is different and we're still all just trying to navigate through it. Yeah, I know. I went to a movie, uh, with my family. We went and saw, Oh my God some movie just like last week and we all had our mask on and somebody didn't have their mask on sitting in front of me. And I had full on anxiety about it. it. It made it uncomfortable for me to be in the theater. And I don't, I don't want to switch this conversation to that, but it's, I just know that for me, Christmas Eve, Christmas day, and the next, you know, until the new year, it's, it's about really practicing my mindfulness and being aware of those who I'm around and being loving and kind and generous. You know, I stepped into recovery to change my life because I didn't want to be the jackass that I was being. This year, I am not going to be sloppy. 
I'm not going to be drinking. No. And here's the other thing that, that, that you have that is really important. And I want to talk about it. It's as moms in recovery, um, we get to show up differently for, Mm -hmm. in our case, our sons, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I could say my son never saw me drink and use. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. I didn't get sober until he was nine, right? But we do only get this fine. And I can say this now as the mother of a 25 year old, which I know is crazy. I can't wrap my head around that way. I know. I love saying it because people freak out. It makes me feel good. Um, It's like my favorite thing to say is I had him when I was 12. Um, But so he just turned 25, literally last week, he just turned 25. And um, I so miss those younger years and Mm -hmm. like, I can't get them back. And I think what the pain, I I think probably any parent goes through that. Right. But for me, the pain is I actually know that I wasn't full showing up hundred percent before he was nine because I used to go out and party on new year's Eve with my friends after I put him to bed. And then I would be hung over on Christmas or I would be still high on Christmas. Mm -hmm. I same with Thanksgiving because those used to be big party holidays in the small town that I went to, right? Everybody went down to the bar Mm -hmm. and I lived such a a life that was so compartmentalized. And so there's this time that I can't get back. And so now that I see, you know, you with your 12 year old, my sister with her four year old, I'm like, as someone who doesn't get to have the little anymore until, you know, in the future, a grandchild, maybe one day, like, hold on to that time. You won't get it back and you're right. going to miss it. I promise you. Like as yeah. someone who's already there, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. And so it is worth taking a step back and not seeing the matrix Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you're going to be doing what he wants to do on that day, which is probably putting together a Lego set. Oh, by the way, the Millennium Falcon, done. Okay. I was wondering. Um, yeah, I got to see a picture I, of that. I think I am going to have to get the Adidas shoe Lego set. Uh-huh. I, I think I actually showed it to Jacob the other day. I'm like, if you want to get me a gift, this would be appropriate. This is good. Yeah. This would, uh-huh. I would love this. So they have so many great new Legos out. It's kind of crazy. I, I know. I mean, they, so I have the friends central perk Lego kit, and now they have the, um, the two apartments. Oh my God. And not only do they have the apartments, you can get lighting to put in there. So it lights it up like a studio set. Okay. I I have no room for this kind of stuff, right? We live in a two bedroom, two bath apartment with two dogs and I'm like borderline hoarder. So I cannot be buying more Lego sets because I have no place to display them. Um, But I still buy them. I can't help it. I love it. I'm, I'm still 13 on the inside. Yes. Adrian. Which is why I would get along so well with your 12 year old. Yes. He is. He just keeps showing me Legos. I'm like, we don't, you literally have no more space in your room for any more Legos. He's like, but I'm going to sell some and then you can get me more. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Sell them. I want to, you know, I want to share the story with you about, because, because your focus is so about being connected. Yes. And being calm. Yes. And when my son was ninth grade or 10th grade, one of those two years, and he was in band. Or mm. uh, uh, choir, not band, sorry, choir. And I went to his performance. And quite honestly, I don't know if this was a holiday performance or uh, another time of the year performance, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter for the sake of the story. And at the time, I was running a really big magazine in Seattle and I was in full blown workaholism, mm-hmm. full blown, right? Went to his uh, performance. I'm in the audience. I'm the only one there. My parents didn't come up for that one. His dad wasn't around because. I don't know if his dad ever went to any of his performances. Mm. Just me, right? Mm-hmm. We're driving home and he was like in the back seat because, you know, he was still 
too little to even be in the front seat with me. And he was like, hey, mom, how do you think I did? I was like, oh, buddy, you did so good. I'm so proud of you, da-da-da-da-da. You know what he said? He said, really? Because I can see you from the stage and you were looking at your phone the whole time. <gasps> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like four or five years sober. Oh, see, there it is. Four. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm bringing this full circle down. We're getting back to the beginning. Early recovery. It's longer Early than recovery. you think, people. It's longer than you think. And... I wish I could tell you that I, I was able to like put down my phone addiction mm-hmm. and never, and became more present for him in all of his activities. Mm. I got better when I remembered, yeah. but I still was guilty after that incident of doing it again, mm. because I have that addiction to the red bubbles and the notification and the dopamine. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to be really careful. I have all kinds of timers that like when my Facebook timer goes off, I'm supposed to be done for the day. Right. And so um, but here's the thing is like, I don't get that time back with my kid. And I was the only one showing up for him. Mm-hmm. And I was taking pride in the fact that I was showing up for him. But guess what? I wasn't even there. Right. Yeah. Mm. So we only get a finite time to do this deal. Yeah. And the and when we realize that we need to live our lives differently, it, beca- it can be a really painful evolution process. And that can happen at five years sober, that can happen at 10 years sober, that can yeah. happen at 15 years sober when you have these awakenings of, oh, I got to pull it together here. I'm going to, yeah. I need to be different. It's happened. And yeah. you and I have talked about this before, but yeah. there's, until you go through it, it's the same as like, until you have a child, you don't know what it's like to have a child. Until you have five years, until you have 10 years, until yeah. you have 15 years, you don't understand how you will personally shift and grow. And you might think you've got it all figured out at two years and you've worked the steps and you've done all the therapy and you're coaching people. And I don't know. Right. Mm. I'm telling you, you don't know shit. (laughs) Sorry if that offends you. I was the same way at two years and thought I was the big cheese sober kahuna. You know, I had service positions. I had book covers. I had paraphernalia. You know, I was doing speaker meetings. Oh my God. Um, and I, I look back now and I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't know shit. I know. I know, right? But so we think we do. You know, and I, that you and I have also had this conversation a lot about like, there's a responsibility. Yes. And now that so many people are recovering out loud, which I applaud and I love because yes. collectively together, we raise the vibration. We can shift the narrative around the stigma. Really important. But we can't lose sight of the fact that this is a life or death thing right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some people are so much further along in the progression of the disease than others that they'll need more than what bubblegum sobriety, <laughs> early sobriety will give them. I know that I've been saying this for 24 hours now. I'm not over it yet. I know. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't oh, make sense to me how I don't. And again, I, I love all pathways. I love that what you just said about breaking the stigma and, you know, the collective, the amount of people who are finding recovery and realizing that there is a way to change your life. And it's simply by stopping one action, which is drinking. But having said that, once you stop drinking, you, there is a mental illness that has to be supported and cared for. And somebody who has two years of recovery, I don't care how much 
uh, life coaching you have, there is no way, and I, this is a big, bold statement, and I may lose some listeners. That's okay. I'm like, I'm here to support those people who really want to transform their lives, who, you know, somebody who has two years of sobriety, I don't know how they can support somebody who has been drinking and using for 15 years, 20 years. Um, they have three kids. Uh, they're having a hard time paying for their mortgage. I, I don't, I can't wrap my head around that. I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I can't, I don't know how it works. But what I do know is that people are finding recovery and that they're stopping that one action and they're stopping that daily habit. But the mental illness will continue to haunt somebody. And that is where, and I'm like, I'm a dinosaur. Long-term recovery kicks into play and can support somebody else. I don't know how else to say it. You know, like, that's why I have these conversations yeah, with you, long, you like, creep, people. creeping up on 25 here, like, any minute, right? Yes. But I think it's, it's learning from people who have that kind of substantial time. And that's why I like to have guests on the show who have, you know, for me, a, a long timer is anybody over 10. Yeah, me 15, too. like, you know, like, pushing 15 is actually more stable, I think. Uh, there's a lot that happens between 10 and 15. And then there's a lot that happens between 15 and 20. It just, I just had a conversation with a a girlfriend who is, she just turned 20 and, and, you know, the floorboards are falling out. Yeah. And you don't know that unless you've gone through it where I can say, okay, hang on, because this is normal. This is exactly what happens. And there's, this is what you're going to do to get, put the floorboards back. Well, because let's point out the the sober elephant in the room lane. There's not a lot of women in long-term recovery mm. that are that are really active in their recovery for whatever reason. Yeah. Either they yeah. either they fall out mm-hmm. and go back into their addiction, mm-hmm. or they are dis- they somehow are managed to put those things down that were giving them severe consequences, but the mental illness has taken off into another yes. and caused a whole new set of problems. Right. So um, that's why the, I don't like to tout my time. Yeah. Like it's better no. or that I've learned more because that's not it. I've mm-hmm. just had more time working at it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as anyone with their craft, or their sport, right? Right. When you look at, I just watched the movie the other day with uh, Will Smith, with uh, Vina and Serena, Serena Williams mm, called King yep. Richard. Yeah. And you kind of like saw that, right? When you look at how much training that went in from the time that they were like five until, you know, where they're, that's, they're, they've invested, what, 20 plus years in their career working on their craft, right? Wouldn't you argue that they're better at playing tennis now than they were at the age of five? Right. So that's all I'm saying. It's just, it is time. Time takes time. Right? I, I just think about Malcolm Gladwell's, you know, the 10,000 hours. Yeah. Of becoming an expert <laughs> where it, it does. It, time takes time. Time takes time to be able to understand and to be able to thoroughly know what's going to happen. Like, I still don't know. I have friends that are, I hang out with a bunch of people who are like in their thirties because I want to watch recovery. 
because I know that that's where I want to be. I want to get to that time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's really important for me to be taught by people who have been there. Yeah, it's. I know. And, and you know that I just lost a friend that was really close to me who passed away at the age of 91, mm-hmm. but even more significant, she died 46 years sober, Ugh. which um, is the amount of time I've been alive. And so like literally we're separated, her sobriety birthday and my actual birthday are like separated mm-hmm. by two months. That's how I'm ever to remember this. So I'm terrible with dates, but, um, and she played a significant role in my early recovery. And then she has been a part of my recovery the entire time. And it's so weird to me still that she's not going to call me today and yeah. I can't call her. Um, but I honor all the time we had together, the role that she played in my life. And now the way to honor her memory is to be like her to somebody else. There was nobody better than with a newcomer than my friend Rita, Mm -hmm. nobody. Now, a couple years in, you start to get well, ooh, she's gonna get kind of iffy and mad at you and throw temper tantrums. That was a whole nother story. But she had a heart of gold and like, I want to be somebody else's Rita that's, that helps them get through that hump they don't think they can get through. Because that's the amazing part about the recovery community is that we show up for each other. Yeah. We don't have expectations that if I show up for you, that I now, um, you somehow owe me something in return. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, and I, with the women that I work with, mm-hmm. um, when I start to work with them, it is simply three really questions. Are you done? Yeah. Are you willing to follow directions? And when we get through the work we're going to do together, are you willing to take somebody else through the work? As yeah. long as I say yes to those three things, we can move forward. So delicious. Chomp, chomp. I'm eating that chomp, snack. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Oh, Elise, I love hanging out with you, friend. No, we could talk forever. Well, we do. We do. We're here. Uh, I'll have you on again. Is there well, anything I cannot else? wait. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to, I mean, it, happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Yeah. Make Our sure. Christmas together lane, aren't you? I know. It's so exciting. Uh, dry January is coming up. So it is. Are you ready for that? If you are on the wellness journey, uh, we're going to be doing stuff over at the Sober Curator. And if you're looking for support, make sure to reach out to me. I'm here to support your wellness journey in this connected, calm life. Elise, thanks for hanging out, my friend. Thank you, Lane. I'll see you soon. Okay. Everyone, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious it fills you up so you can be the best woman I know you can be. Until next time, take good care. Happy holidays. <laughs>